Welcome back to the 104 Six and One podcast, episode three. Today we are changing it up. I got a special guest, a good friend of mine. Some of you may know if you're from the local area, know him as that dude two three nine, or just that big black guy with the grills, or you know that guy at Nike that's been there for a while. You know this is this is my boy. This is one of my good friends, my old manager, somebody I look up to in life, and I just wanted to give a big shout out to a. Him being a big supporter, so welcome to the show, Fred Thomas. What's going on, big Fred? Thank you, thank you, thank you. What's up, Kev? Thank you for having me on the show, man. I mean, it's an honor, you know, to be your first guest on your upcoming podcast, man. So, hey, thank you, thank you, and thank you for the shout out. <laughs> no over the top, but thank you. Hey, man, <laughs> if I didn't do it over the top, it wouldn't be me. So <laughs> let's let's that just. Is, that is a true statement. That is definitely a true statement. Let's just get right into it. Today, I got two particular topics for you, big guy. Um, we're going to talk about the NBA, it coming back. I know you a Braun fan. I know uh, that makes you a Laker fan by default. And then we're going to talk about some. We're going to talk about some Bucks football, their offseason acquisitions with TB12 and everything else that's going on in the league. So let's uh, let's just kick it off. What do you think is your your feedback on the Lakers this season? I think the Lakers were hitting their stride at the right point in time. After the All-Star break, you know, before they had took a couple of bad losses to some teams. But after the All-Star break, they just started gelling defensively-wise. You know, and defense, what was driving them um, during that stretch. Um, Avery Bradley being one of the defensive anchors with um, AD. And then LeBron is playing better defense. They were just in a strive that was unbelievable. And you know how their offense works, you know, by distributing the ball, passing it around, you know, making the right decisions. It was just, they were playing great ball. Kind of sad that it had to stop, being that they had great wins over Milwaukee. They had beat the Clippers. And um, I believe it was the Celtics as well with some of the teams that they had beat before, you know, the whole world was shut down due to the um, pandemic. Okay, okay. And, you know, with that being said, obviously COVID had a big effect on everybody. So, I mean, I would yeah. definitely say that, you know, the NBA needs to be careful. I think that the NBA needs to be a little bit more vigilant with everything coming to Orlando and cases jumping up in Florida. But, you know, with that being said, I just gotta, I got I got a couple questions for you, man. I know you, uh, you're, 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 you're more than just a Laker fan. So this, this definitely goes into a little bit more of Braun. Um, do you really believe that the LeBron effect, as some call it, is true? Obviously, Braun in 07 led that Cavalier team to the finals and got swept by the uh, defendant, or should I say, the inevitable four Hall of Fame players on that team in uh, Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili, what is that, Tim Duncan... I don't know. There, I don't think there was a fourth. You know, Richard Jefferson might count. You know, Stephen Jackson might count, but I would probably say three. But uh, like I said, you, do you think that Braun effect exists? Do you think that no matter what team he goes to in this league, that that is a, a guaranteed finals appearance? Um. Yes and no. If you look at his first year in L.A., they were already said they're going to the finals. And with that, last year had a lot of ups and downs because he did get hurt during Christmas Day playing against the Warriors. Um, so his talent elevates the team. 
if you look at some of the teams he has taken to the finals outside of his, you know, all-star team in Miami, but if you look at the Cavalier team that he took to the finals, it was, um, you know, pretty tough. Him, K-Love, Kyrie, and then you had like the J.R. Smith and all the other role players. And then if you look at the last Cavalier team he took with, Jordan Clarkson, um, Lance Jr., Kevin Love, who is hurt, he has that, it's just the ability to elevate like his teammate. You know, the Miami team, if they make, if they didn't make it to the finals, they were a butt. You know, they went two and two, which sucked. They thought it was going to win eight, nine, how many you said, but, um, it was, it's, I think he has that effect to take any team to the finals, but, Winning it is uh, it's just one of those things. Will he win it? Yes. Will he not win it? No. But yes or no, I would say, if that makes sense. No, 100%. I mean, you know from all of our conversations with plenty of people in the building, outside the building, uh, that I'm not the biggest LeBron James fan. I have my reasons. I have my... Not at all. Not at all. I got my mindset behind it, but I think that uh, talking to you and some other Bron fans... Um, he who shall not be named, Mr. Fernandez, um, can't get you no can't can't get you no credit, big guy. But uh, I think really watching him on the day to day with you guys uh, talking about it on the regular, uh, I would have to say, as some would say, you have to appreciate greatness. Obviously, uh, I grew up my generation was Kobe Bryant, so a shout out R.I.P. Kobe Bean Bryant, man, we all miss you, we all love you. But Kobe was. Go. Kobe was my boy. Kobe was, was who got me into basketball. But, I mean, if we are looking at the potential GOAT discussion, the potential best basketball player of all time discussion, LeBron James and Michael Jordan lead that category just for the sheer fact of everything that LeBron does with the, what do you want, what do I want to say, with the efficientness. I mean, the guy's been doing it for 17 years now at a, at a high rate, at a very, very high rate. He hasn't really had a decline Last year, like you said, being the injury-bared season that he never had. And uh, even at that, the man was still putting up numbers. So I would definitely say that I've grown to appreciate him more. Maybe not as a, as a, as a fan, but as a person that plays the sport. Um, the man is doing things but we have never seen in our lives. And uh, I think it's time I maybe change my tune uh, about how much greatness I really am watching on TV. Because like losing Kobe... We don't know what we have until we got until we lose it. So I, I definitely will be watching a lot more intently this season. But in regards to this season, you know as well as I do, off season acquisitions and in season acquisitions happen. And the Lakers did make two. Well, should I say one officially? The second one coming. The signing of Dion Waiters or the trade of Dion Waiters, however that happened with Miami, and then signing of Ricky and your favorite player, J.R. Buckets. Smith, what are your thoughts on those two players, man? Okay, um, first and foremost, Dion Waiters is a very efficient scorer. He has the capability of getting hot and shooting with some of the best of them in the league. We've seen that in um, the run Miami had that one year when he was their like pretty much star of the team, the predominant leader. So he has the ability to do it. Now, it's his mental aspect there. I don't know where his mind is mentally. Like, I don't know if he feels, okay, I'm on the team with LeBron. This is going to be a smooth transition, and I'm just going to do, I'm just here for more support. No, we're going to need you to contribute 
to the T. You better make sure that boy ain't got no edibles on that team playing, man. Hold up, hold up. What's wrong with edibles? Hey, man. But, um, yeah, like if his mental game is there with his physical game, he'll be a gate, a great, I'm sorry, he'll be a great asset to the team. Bitch. Excuse me, excuse me. Bench going as well. He would be great for J.R. Smith. Oh my gosh. LeBron just need to punch him in the face, get it out of the way, and go from there. Because we know what J.R. can do. It's just. Everybody know the buckets J.R. can get when he's hot, but I mean, we, 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 uh, should I say you guys? Cannot afford to have another 2007 mishap of getting that board and uh, not putting it up. You know what I'm saying? That's why yeah. you want that boy to punch him. Yeah, he had one of the biggest spark moments in NBA history. That literally changed the dynamic of that um, championship run. Like, um, I think the Warriors was going to win that series, but, <clears throat> excuse me, it would have been a little bit more. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They would put up a bigger fight, you know, going down, and then that was a, like that was a big body blow to recover from. So, J.R. Smith just needs to, like I say, mentally as well for him, he needs to, yeah, get his head right. Because I mean, uh, I'm just you know said things about it again. I'm sorry, uh, man. I don't mean I don't mean to bring sorry. up that that tragic that tragic moment. Uh, you know, the Warriors obviously. Getting three out of the four. Shout out to my friend Mike Casada, the only real Warriors fan I actually know personally since well before that dynasty. Shout out to you, Mikey Q. Um, with that being said, transition to the next topic. Um, with COVID happening, like we discussed a few minutes ago, and let's be frank, the NBA basically coming to a complete halt, all sports. Do you think that this yeah. time off is going to be more of a, a help than a harm, or do you think that this is going to hurt them more? Um, with this, it's a very, yeah, it's a lot of gray area with that. Just because I feel for players who have miles on their body, um, LeBron James being one, it helps them because they get to get that rest they need. Um, nagging injuries that has just been hanging over certain players, it gives them a time to be healthy, to get healthy. So, it helps in that aspect, but is it completely a good thing? So if you had a nagging a nagging hamstring and you've been off for this time, is it completely healed? Once you start putting the stress and that physicality on your body, is the hamstring going to be completely healed or is it going to tweak again? Because you haven't really did anything. Yes, you're training you lifting weights, you're doing everything, but you can you can't substitute game speed. You can't substitute that environment, that level of competitive, um, no matter how you try to do it. So it's it's one of those fifty fifty things, a lot of gray area for some players, like Hawaii who has low management with his knees. For him, he's younger. Does it help him? Yes. But when he started playing, how's his knees gonna go? you know, start to hold up. That's, it's, uh, it's just one of those funky things. I love it for LeBron because, like you say, 17 years in, that's a lot of miles. 
lot of miles, you know, playing basketball. Sometimes he was playing basketball almost year-round with how the time felt, the finals, then sometimes going to the Olympics, then after that going right into training camp for the next season. So for a player like him, I love it for him. I just hope when he comes back, it doesn't take him a month or two to get back in that um, level he was playing in before the pandemic happened. Understood. I mean, let's let's be honest. Um, I was saying it well before we even started the recording that uh, that Braun effect is real. And if Braun is going to have all that time to recover, if LeBron is going to have all that time to really like kind of compose himself, take that rest and really, I don't know, maybe mesh a little bit more with his teammates. I don't know what how much you can connect with your teammates not being on the actual court. But, you know, we've definitely seen some footage of certain players practicing with one another and certain players staying in shape. Obviously, Braun with the longevity of his career. We both know, if not most people know in the sports world, that he's probably the most upkept athlete we've ever seen in our in our lives or in history. I agree. The man I has the, the, the man came into the league not really a twig, but not exactly the, the physical prowess that he has right now. And then his transition from just being athletic to then growing strength his time in Cleveland to turning that weight when he really went to Miami and then cutting that weight off when he went back to Cleveland. The man can do it at all at all weight categories. I mean, it's almost like he's a boxer. The guy really does bulk up and then cut back down, and it really doesn't affect him. But similar to Vince Carter, we do know a lot of players, when they try to get flashy and just try to put all that strain, strain on their knees it's not really going to help, but that's why Braun pretty much cut that weight when he went back to Cleveland. Would you agree that uh, Braun is kind of like, I don't know, a master of seeing what environment he needs to be or what mode he needs to be in for that season? Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, just depending on, I'm guessing, if he's looking at his roster and seeing what does he need to be for that team. You know, in Miami, uh, I don't believe they really had a strong power forward because Chris Bosh was playing more in the center. So LeBron then was playing like, you know, point four, small four, power four when he had all the weight. And he was giving a lot of mismatches for power four so was trying to guard him who really couldn't keep up. You know, um, a lot of people know or don't know, he spends like $3.5 million a year on taking care of his body. That's like personal training, the freaking, um, uh, the machine he has, to recover, to his diet, the chef. It's just amazing how much money he spent on his body to keep him in peak condition. And I think that helps his um, career why it's so long and why he's been at that peak for so long because if he takes care of his body, like you say, he knows when he needs to bulk up, he knows when he needs to slim it down. And being this late in his career, at the way he's playing it, I think it's great because the basketball world is transitioning into like a small ball and he could do one through five positions if he wanted to. Uh, he doesn't that's... like playing center, but he has the capability of doing it being that small ball is trying to, you know, dominate the league right now. Hundred percent. I mean I mean let's look at the numbers right here. We got LeBron James in season seventeen, twenty five point seven points per game, seven point nine rebounds, ten point six assists on a 49.8% field goal percentage. Career-wise, the man is shooting, what is that, 27 points per game, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, and 50% from the field. That's for his career, ladies and gentlemen. For 17 years, he has maintained this level of intensity. Like, that just goes to show, 
Obviously, he's picked up the assist number a little bit more with him getting older and trying to, you know, get other people involved. And he's really realized that he is, like you said, uh, probably best at the point forward just because of his court vision, his IQ. The, the list goes on, but Braun really does love to get his teammates involved. If he wanted to, I'm sure he can do the 30-point triple-double like Russ did if he needed to. Um I really think that Braun is just a whole nother being, a whole nother level of an athlete that we just need to kind of take care of, man. When when he retires, that's that's pretty much the last of it. If we really think about it, Wade's gone, Melo's inconsistent. He's on Portland, and I really think that uh, Braun is going to be that last kind of older generated player. But we'll see what happens towards the end of the season. Speaking with the end of the season. Who do you believe is going to match up? Who do you believe is coming out of the East? We know that the Bucks. We know that the Bucks with Giannis are the favorites. Mm-hmm. We know that the, the we know that the Toronto Raptors are the shock of the NBA because they're out here without Kawhi doing what they're doing. We know that the Celtics. Shout out to my boy Kemba Walker from the Bronx. You're um, you know that you know at the same time you got the Miami Heat up there. I mean, the, the, the teams really are solid in the East, but it's, do you think that no matter who comes out, do you think the Lakers have a for sure run at the title? Um, um, I would say if, and I'm a, like I said, I'm a Lakers fan by default because of LeBron, if the Lakers were to get past the Clippers, which I feel they are, but if they was to get past the Clippers, it won't be like a smooth as some people think. But I do think they will wear the championship. It won't be a smooth. It's not going to be a sweep by far. It's not going to be a sweep because the East definitely has some great talent there, but it won't be a sweep. I think, um, you know, it's going to be that old rivalry coming back, the Lakers Celtics. Like, I'm a huge fan of this young man and Jason Tatum and what he's done. I believe what he's year three, maybe four in the NBA. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, and his leap from his rookie season to where he is now is phenomenal. Like, I love Jason Tatum. I don't like the Celtics personally, but Jason Tatum, I am a fan of this kid. He has that Kobe, but his own style of play, and he just elevates, you know, that team. And he's not doing it by himself. You know, Kimball Walker, great point guard, great, great scorer. And then, like, just the kind of unsung hero who's forgotten is Jalen Brown because he does everything for that team. He guards the best player. He's, like, that tough guy. Him is smart. He can score. He can, uh, he can pretty much do it all. He's a well-put-together player. So I think the Celtic is my favorite to come out outside of Miami if they stay healthy. What do you mean by that? What's going on in Miami? I know in my last segment I spoke about, you know, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, that that, that great put-together team. Pat Riley always finds a way to great get great players at good times. Do you think that they have enough to make a push in the Eastern Conference to compete with the Lakers in the finals if they get there? Yes, they do. You know, um, Tyler Hero, nobody expected this young man to play like that. He was playing at uh, um, a great level. And don't quote me on this. I think he got hurt a little. I he think did. He, had like he missed some time, injury. for sure. Definitely missed some time. Yeah. <clears throat> and that was one of the injuries I was talking about. You know, Jimmy Butler has, you know, a history of health and stuff like that. So some of their key pieces, they need them to be healthy to compete with the Milwaukee's, with your Celtics, 
with um, Toronto, you know. Um, the guard they had that came up from the G League, who's been playing amazing. Oh, Dunn? Um, yes. Who would have thought, you know, Dunn? And then the kid, I think it's Davidson, that shoots threes, who's like a marksman out of nowhere. You know, they have great pieces. And Bayou, like you said on your last back off, he's a beast, man. He plays one through five. I think he's a well-put, he's a better version of Sergi Baca. I would agree with That's that. That's how I look at Bell. I would agree he's with a that. better Sergi Baca. But, you know, just like it, just like Serge Ibaka, he caught an L to my team. You know, shout out to UNC, National Championship. Uh, he caught the L with the shot against Luke May. So, Bam Adebayo, you know, had to go and uh, take a little nap that uh, that season. So, just had to say that. Sorry about that. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, with that being said, for the most part, the NBA is going to be interesting. I think we're all excited to see what's going to happen. I think that... We're all curious to see how the Lakers are going to do, if anybody's going to dethrone them, so to speak, if they're even going to come out of the West. I just realized I'm out here talking like there aren't great, great teams in the West, such as the Dallas Mavericks with Kristaps Porzingis and arguably the greatest young player in the NBA in the phenom that is Luka Doncic. But I'm a realist. Uh, you made me a fan of him. Like, I'm a fan of Luka. Um, when I actually sat down to watch them play this year, I caught, like, maybe four Dallas games. But when he hit head-to-head against the Lakers, I was like, this young kid is special. His game is slow, and there's nothing really flashy to his game. But he's just – he's good, man. That kid is good. And I will be the first – I'll be the first to admit, everybody who knows me on a personal level knows that when the Mavericks selected Luka with that pick, I was not – the happiest person in the world. Shout out to little Fred, man. Love that boy. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm doing a podcast right now. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Fred Thomas being a whole dad right there, man. Shout out to you, bro. Thank you, man. It's not easy. It's very, it's very challenging, but it's the best for the world, man. This little guy definitely give me life every day, so. Of course, of course. But, you know, with that being said, um, the Western Conference is stacked. We we know the Clippers. We know the Rockets. We know the expectations of what's going on there. I mean, we could talk about the NBA all day, but obviously we got some other things to talk about. So uh, let's slide this over to the NFL. I mean, obviously... We know we, we 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 hype we hype us football heads we hype. I mean, just to have yes. sports back in general is crazy. Just yeah 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 yeah. Okay, Tampa. but Let's go. so Let's go. obviously there's a lot of Tampa fans coming out of the woodworks this off season, and I know you got something to say to the fans out there, man. What do you have listen, to say? Listen, I know true diehard fans. I am a Tampa Bay fan from. 
I mean, I, I, I got to ask, man. Everybody wants to know, are the Bucks Super Bowl bound with Tom Brady being on this team and that Bruce Arians offense? If you look at the roster, I'm going to just go, if you look at offensive-wise, okay? Offensive, we have the weapons to score with any and everybody. With any and everybody. Now, being said, if we are going to the Super Bowl, I don't believe so. And being a fan, I'm a realist too. You know, we still got to go through the Saints, who team is complete. You know, they have that little off-field drama, but they are still the team to beat in the NFC South, you know. Um, and outside of the NFC, it's some real good teams, you know. The Vikings, um, I'm really, really terrified of the moves that Seattle is trying to make. If they were to sign Antonio Brown, they would definitely be a threat, easily, arguably the favorites to win the NFC and uh, represent them in the Super Bowl. So, Super Bowl bound just because we got Tom Brady, I don't think so. You know, hey, no, Tom Brady is great. We're getting an older Tom Brady. We're not getting, you know, Tom Brady from four or five years ago. He's older. He's still playing at a high level. Don't get me wrong. And he's never had the weapons that he's going to have once he gets to Tampa. He got a Lamborghini, and he got a freaking Viper on the other side. However you want to put him, the fancy car. With Mike Evans, one of the best, in my opinion, top ten receivers in the league, if not top five. And then he has another up-and-coming, Chris Godwin, who's just evolved out of nowhere. So uh, with that, and then that defense that we started um, to put together at the end of the season with the runs, I mean, Defense started clicking, you know, under the new system. They started getting it. They started getting it. So, we um, if we can keep that together, we will have a shot, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough just to say we automatically, you know, Super Bowl bound. Oh, and I forgot about Grunk, but Grunk hasn't played in a year. You know, Grunk been doing his thing in the WWE. Shout out to the WWE. But Grunk been doing his thing. they throwing parties and all of that. So, he had time for his body to rest, but you haven't had that physicality in a year. So you got to get back into the groove of things. So it's going to be interesting. I would love for us to go to the Super Bowl because it's right there in Tampa, and I will be there if that's the case. I will be in Tampa doing something. I mean, oh, yeah. we 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 all know you're gonna be there. You're gonna be on the line. You're gonna be firing the cannon somehow. Tampa is gonna have to realize they're gonna have to talk to the mayor over here in Fort Myers and just yo two three nine coming up there. You know what I'm saying? He representing. I'm, I, I'm there. I am in Tampa. I mean, I know Super Bowl tickets cost like arm and a leg and maybe two kidneys. I can't give that up, but I'm gonna be in Tampa somewhere close to it. So. Yeah, if we make it, you can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to be in Tampa for the festivity. If, you know, the pandemic allows it. Hey, Serato, you heard this? If you listen, that might be a no-call, no-show come February, but I ain't say nothing. Oh, but. <laughs> it, it ain't no, no-call, no-show. No I'm telling you, nah, it ain't going to be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so you going to be on the calendar. <laughs> he said. There's documented proof. There's documented proof. My man Fred put in the PTO without putting in the PTO. Straight up. You know how I work there. So, I mean, getting back into the topic of the signings of your offseason acquisitions, I mean, excluding your draft class, 
Well, you obviously signed the biggest signing in the offseason is definitely Tom Brady coming over, Rob Gronkowski coming out of retirement, and then yeah. weaseling, like I like to say, his way out of New England and getting into Tampa. But, I mean, let's look at some of the re-signings you got. You got O.J. Howard in his fifth year. That tight end room, in my personal opinion, might be the best tight end group in the NFL with Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, and Cameron Bray. Everybody sleeps on Cameron, but... That's what I was going to say. Like, Cameron Bray is such a piece that a lot of people don't talk about, but Cameron Bray is... He was a red zone monster for the last two years. Like, people really don't know how many touchdowns went through to Bray. In the end zone, Braid is very, very good. OJ so, Howard, very athletic, pretty much a receiver and a tight end body. Health issues, you know, he hasn't been healthy for us, and that's the biggest thing. A hundred percent. I mean, and then flipping over to the defensive end side of the football, you guys re-signed Dominican Sue, you guys re-signed Jason yes. Pierre-Paul, and you franchise tag Shaquille Barrett, probably their best defender on that side of the football for you guys. So I mean. What do you what do you think? Bring yeah, back those pieces. Is that is that gonna help? Is that gonna make a difference? The biggest sign is before Tom Brady, Gronkowski, the biggest sign that Tampa Bay had to secure was making sure we get Shaq Barrett back. And they're gonna franchise tag him. He said he's gonna sign that deal. But giving him what he wants because he elevated that defense leading the NFL in sacks. You know, signing um Sue. Keep it Sue and Vita Bay and our defensive in the middle. You know, Tampa Bay, we barely give up a 100-yard rush. We we don't give up rushing yards. You can throw it on us a million times, but they ain't going to run it on us. You know, so signing those three, like I say, Barrett being the biggest one, that was huge for us. We had to get those three back for that defense to function. Now, our rookie um, linebacker, White, that came from LSU, he had a great season. Hopefully, he just continues to get better. So with that, you know, oh, hundred percent. The man was a the man was a savage for you guys. But speaking of rookies, I mean, I think you guys right off the bat make a statement drafting the big tackle out of Iowa and Tristan Wirfs. That's that's a body right there. That's that that big boy is going to help secure that offensive line along. Side, you know, re-signing a couple of your other players on that line. I don't know them all off the top of my head, but I know that keeping Tom Brady up is what's going to help you win games. And I mean, making a statement right then and there—that's that's pretty big. And I mean, the rest of your class—it, I mean, it's solid. I don't know about everybody here, but I think you know Antoine Winfield Jr. If he's anything like his old man, I think that that's going to solidify the secondary for you guys. That's yeah, like you said, from Minnesota. that is a big piece for you guys, just because, like you said a few yeah. seconds ago, your secondary is. God awful. I mean, I, nobody's got to yeah. shy away from that. Um, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm we have a, the biggest thing Tampa hasn't had on our defense. What we used to have back in the day, where either we had a very dominant strong safety or a very dominant free safety, and we had a very good corner. Even with our years of having to lead, to lead was a solid corner for us. And we want to jump before to lead. You know, we always had um, Barber. The Barber brother, Tiki Barber. No, we had Runday, I'm sorry. Runday Barber. We always had solid corners. Either at the one corner was good or we had two good safeties, but we always had somebody dominant. And that's what we've been missing, you know, for the last couple of years. A hundred percent. I mean, shout out to Bernard Hargraves, who was a massive bust. Cause... And I was mad at that thing. I say we should have never got him. I got a good buddy. Shout out to my dog, TJ. He was high on Hargraves, and I was like, 
he, I mean, he was good in Florida, you know, for, you know, with the other people they had and the defense that they had, where Florida always had a great defense. Gator Nation, stand up. You know what it is. Chomp, chomp. Bobby, you, you know, but, (laughs) you know, his game from college just didn't, didn't transition good to the NFL for me. You know, he's over there in Houston. Who knows what happens? Maybe he get a better career there, but in Tampa, he ain't do nothing for us. Probably not. Houston's our son. Shout out to Indianapolis. You know what it is. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, yeah. this this off season was crazy. Uh, there's, I mean, aside from just you guys getting that, but I mean, Jameis going over to New Orleans, like what? That hurt. That that, that, that hurt. like a lot of that was wild. Were hurt. Yeah, a lot of people were hurt because it was like you went to the rival team, like you went to our rival in the state who been kicking our ass for my friends for the last couple of years. We'll go one to one in the season, but you know the Saints have been representing that division forever. Outside of the year, you know, um, Atlanta made it to the Super Bowl, biggest swap in NFL history, by the way. Hundred percent. The birds, brutal. Um, but yeah, you go to that team and. Uh, that's just a hard pill to swallow, man. Especially for real Tampa fans, like real Tampa Bay fans. Okay, that's like, okay, that's let's let's put some context to it, though. Did you guys offer him a contract? Did you guys offer him anything that was worth his while to want to stay there? Did you guys reassure him at all? Because any interview that Bruce Arians had, there was no solidified, you know, conviction of oh yeah, we want him back or oh yeah, we're working it out. Did, I mean, what what kind of NFL player wants to come back to a franchise that didn't even back him up in the media? Let's be honest. You're right. Bruce Anderson was pretty much like, hey, it is what it is. You know, what? They, I guess they were trying to give him a chance. And, you know, everybody called Bruce Arians the quarterback risker. We all know the tools James went to have. You know, he, let, he threw 5,000 yards. He was part of the 30-30 club, but... The other, the bad thirty is what cost Tampa Bay a lot of games last season. And that, and that, that, that goes into my next subject, man. That's, that's like, let's be serious. You guys went seventy nine last year, like you said. Jameis had five thousand yards, thirty touchdowns, thirty interceptions. If he cuts those interceptions in half, just in half, who knows how many touchdowns this man throws? Who knows how many wins you guys have? I mean. The week 14 game I went to this year, my first Colts game, shout out to Bay, appreciate the Christmas gift. Um, <laughs> we almost won that game, and the only reason we lost was because, I don't know, Jacoby Brissett decided to forget how to play the sport of football, and, and, and Jameis just went off. But in that game, Jameis had three picks in the first three quarters. Right, and that's his thing. He would throw great throws. He'll make a great pass. Like, how did he do that? And then in a the clutch moment, he will make a bonehead play. Like, he's still trying to play like he's in college. For instance, if you look at our opening week against San Francisco, we should win that game. But when it, time, when it goes into overtime, this man throws a interception to – literally, he threw it to the other team. I don't know what he was looking at, who he thought that player was. He literally just threw it across the middle of the field, and it was a pick, and that still – the deal, you know, Winston has a knack to just F up a game. If he cuts from 30 interceptions to 15, our season is easily turned around because we lost a lot of games 
by three or seven points. Our kicker didn't help either, but we still lost seven to three points. Was the margin of a lot of our losses last year. And turnovers, like you said, three interceptions in the first quarter, that's hard for any quarterback to bounce back from, unless you're Brett Favre. I mean, yeah, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He always found a way. The original, the original gunslinger. But I mean, I I gotta ask, I man. Bias bias aside of team, what do you think your record will be this season with Tom Brady under center? Tom Brady under center. Tampa Bay will go. Um, I might put my foot in my mouth right now. Eleven to five. Solid. That's exactly what I was thinking. Genuinely, I think that you know it's going to be difficult to go into New Orleans and come out with a win. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be difficult to go out there and you know beat Carolina twice. We know they're a tough, gritty team. We know that the addition of Teddy Bridgewater out there is going to be tough. Stopping CMC. I mean, the list goes on. I just. I don't know, man. Uh, that, the Drew Brees Tom Brady matchup two times this year is going to be a great one. That's, I mean, that's that, great. Something we, everybody probably wanted to see their whole career. We wish we could have got it when they were both younger, but I mean, it's still great. You know, but hey, don't forget about Atlanta. Even though they're very inconsistent, Matt Ryan is a very underrated quarterback as well. No disrespect to very Matt. Underrated. No, no, no disrespect to Matt Ryan. Um, shout out to. My boy Garvey, probably one of the only actual authentic Atlanta Falcon fans. Sadly, sorry, you are that way. It is what it is. Um, I'm not. I'm not worried. Devontae Freeman left. Tevin Coleman left. You side a a 65 percent Todd Gurley, who by the skin of his teeth passed the physical. I don't know how, but I mean the the team itself is just not what it used to be. That 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 Super Bowl run was their chance. That was their their one window, in my opinion, in Matty Ice's. Career, I don't think that they have enough to really compete. I mean, the juggernauts in the division, just between what the Bucks predict to be and then the Saints, what they are to be, and who knows what even happens to Carolina. That's another team, like I said a couple of minutes ago. We don't know what that new offense is going to look like with their new head coach and Teddy Bridgewater. So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't... Bridgewater is a great quarterback. I don't think that Atlanta's even a point of discussion, if I'm being honest. It may sound like slander. It may sound like disrespect, but... Those three teams in itself are going to lead the top three points of those divisions, and that's not even a question for me. But, I mean, this is going to be the twist for me. This is going to be where I I make your brain rattle a little bit. Just bear with me. Obviously, it's a hypothetical, but do you think your record would be better or worse if Jameis was re-signed, whether that would have been a one-year vet minimum or you give Jameis the money he wanted? Do you think that would have helped him mentally say, okay, they want me here, year two in Bruce Arians' system, I've learned I got the arm, but maybe I shouldn't use it all the time. What What do you think your record would be if Jameis was still there? Same thing. 11-5, and five, confidently. No, 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 no. Maybe 8-8. Eight and eight. Maybe 9-7. and seven. So you maybe. think you think, think, you think a two-game improvement? Yeah, but I just don't think because of his mental capacity that, you know, in those key moments, he did it in college. But in those key moments in the NFL, I just don't think he would have got it done. Fair enough. I mean, Jameis' reputation speaks for itself. Um, I mean, I'm happy that you were at least honest and you said, you know, 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, but I wouldn't be surprised if they would have been worse. I mean, just Jameis, 
just does Jameis things. That's the really only, that's the only thing I can really say about him. I don't really have an animosity or hatred dislike for him other than when he was in Florida State. Um the yeah, man hey, the, I'm a little biased cuz you know that's our rival. That's Miami's rival. Oh, oh, oh trust if anybody knows your hatred for that school it's me. <laughs> so Yeah, you know we should be that's a lot. So I just, I don't know, man. I think uh, seeing him in the media this offseason, seeing some of the things that he says, the man really, really truthfully and honestly believes that he is going to go to the Hall of Fame and that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Mind you, just because you can throw a football far <laughs> doesn't mean you throw it accurately. His numbers say it themselves. I have the numbers here. Give me a second. But, I mean, Jameis Winston's numbers historically aren't what he is claiming them to be. Career-wise, the man has 88 interceptions and 121 yeah. touchdowns. Last year in itself, what what would he have? 30, right? And then that yeah, he was 30 for 30, like 32 and 30 or something like that. Overall, the man just is not what he claims to be. I feel like he yeah. is so high on himself that he's losing sight of yo. Now he does throw um, like 4,000 <laughs> yards. Now he does throw like he has numbers like. What this is going for fifth year in the league, and he done threw for four thousand yards pretty much every time he was there. Outside of when he when um he got injured and he didn't play the whole season, but Hall of Fame, no. I'm I'm glad you agree. Yeah. I don't I I didn't expect you to uh, disagree, but it's just the point of. I just, I can't understand where he gets that. But you know what the most compelling stat is? The man has a career completion percentage of sixty one percent. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. That's not that's that's not terrible. It's not the greatest, but for someone that has as many turnovers as he does, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. So I mean, I I do give it. I would say on a good day where he has his head on straight and you know the team is playing well behind him, that he's an above average quarterback. I don't think that he's butt. I don't think that he is subpar. I think that he can be average with the potential to be above average. Let's put it that way. That sounds better. I think Winston would have had. A better career. Well, let me tell that back. I'm sorry. Not to say a better career. But once he left Tampa, a great fit for him would have been going to the Patriots or going to the Steelers. I mean, Fred, you're reading my mind. That is definitely going to be... That's that's going to be my next subject to talk about. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it just... I don't know if Jameis would have fit in Foxborough just because... When Jameis gets under center, he tends to have that false confidence of, I can make this throw. Me and you both know, in the New England system, you go and make that throw knowing there's two people there or knowing Belichick wants you to check it down, you're going to hit the bench real quick. Yeah, but the thing is, what we tried to incorporate in our playbook last year was getting the ball out of his hands a lot faster. And sometimes it was... Uh, miscommunication with the receivers or he didn't check it down because he always wanted that home run 80 yard touchdown instead of getting the completion of 12 yards he wants that 80 yeah okay so, I mean fair enough New England would have given him a little bit more of an instructive like yo this is this is how we do things you know if you got a check down hit it so I think maybe the tutelage under mm-hmm. Belichick would have helped but I don't think that yeah, they I don't sure. think that they wanted that player on their team. I think they got the right fit with the with the with the player that they just signed as of the uh yesterday or the other day. I think that Cam Newton coming over. Yes, Cam. 
I think Cam Newton coming over to New England is huge. I called that. I mean, what Tom Brady signed with Tampa. When did you guys get him? Uh, late, uh, middle March or late March? Yes. And I saw when yeah, Cam didn't get. I saw when Cam got let go, and he was kind of sitting in free agency, like uh, somebody gonna pick me up. I said both hypothetically and authentically, hey. Guarantee, watch New England come out of left field. Go and take Cam out here for the for the stupid low, and then they're gonna they're gonna have a whole revamp revenge season of yo. These are all the people that doubted me. Let me go and carry this already historic franchise to another playoff run. I think Cam Newton is gonna have one hell of a season, but that's gonna depend on if he buys into the system and if Josh McDaniels can really work with him because we know Cam has some bad tendencies too. The man's got to learn how to slide. He's got some injured history. So I mean, New England's got to keep him New England's got to keep him upright. Cam's got to make better decisions and we got to see Tom left for a reason. You took away Ronkowski in retirement. Julian Edelman is inconsistent in terms of health as well. I mean, Nikhil Harry didn't turn out the way he was supposed to, but again, he was hurt too. So I mean, Cam Newton being a, a beast in himself, are they going to lean a little bit more to the, the, the read option portion that he's used to? Are they going to have a little bit more of a running game dominance? Who knows? I just, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that Cam found a great, great, great team to play for, and I think they're going to help his career. Yes. Um, read option is not more New England. I don't think they would adjust to that because, you know, when healthy, they have a hell of a backfield and um, Sonny Michelle and James White. That's a nice two-headed monster to have back there. Um, I think they're going to try to incorporate quick, get him out quick, let's get it out quick. Let's get it to our playmakers in the open field and our running backs and let them do what they can. You know, um, they may rely on camp athleticism a little bit, but I don't think, especially for reading him for a year, I don't think, they're just going to throw him out to the woods and be like, do what you did in Carolina. You know, that's not how, you know, um, New England operates. And you have to look at it. New England has one of the best of offensive lines in the league compared to Carolina. So he'll have more time to sit in the pocket, to read the field, to make the right decisions. I would agree with that. You know, uh, maybe saying the read option was a little bit premature. But I do think that McDaniels is going to have to accept that this is not Tom Brady. This is not a quarterback that sits in the pocket all day. I think that they're really going to have to atone to some of the things that, that, that Cam likes to do. I mean, maybe some more rollouts, maybe some QB sneaks here and again. Maybe, I mean, if, if we really look at it, let's be honest. Can you imagine a full house set with Sony Michelle, James White, and Julian Edelman in the backfield and Cam in the center of that, the amount of options and trickery that New England can incorporate, because obviously Cam and Edelman can throw the football, the amount of play action and, and schemes, I think Josh McDaniels is going to have a great time in that film room with this quarterback just because of the amount of things that he can bring to the table, the mobility in itself, because Tom is such a slow, older, true and present pocket-passing quarterback. To have somebody with some footwork, I mean... That's that's an exciting thing for any coach to have in his locker room, have in their film room. I think that uh, Cam is going to really excel with Josh. I really do think that this is going to be a good fit. But I got another curveball for you, man. Mm-hmm. And I got one for you as well. Once you said about, you know, New England sneaking to the playoffs, I have a curveball for you as well. So I think, again, this is just my opinion. This is just my speculation, so bear with me. But... Mm-hmm. 
We all know Cam's been training with Odell all offseason. Let us put this into the stratosphere, into the internet, into wherever. Odell Beckham, the actual possibility of him coming to New England. Just just, just hear me out. I know it's crazy. I know it's silly. The man's on a massive contract. New England doesn't like to spend money. But let me tell the audience this. For those of you that are unaware of how football works, every team has a specific cap space, and every team has a specific tendency of you know players that they like to sign, players that they don't. But New England is a very secure and a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Cool, common, collective franchise. There are what we call headaches in, in sports, players that just, you know, prima donnas, drama, whatever. Odell Beckham, we all know, is, is, is one of those players. But we know that when Odell Beckham is in the zone, there are very few receivers that can compete. The man can easily have a, a top three conversation if he's in the, in, the, in the mood, or he can be 100% in the topic of discussion to be no not a problem man he could be in the topic of discussion to be a, uh, probably the best receiver in football when when he wants to be so what i'm getting at yeah. is i think with cam and him working out this summer i think with the trade speculation in cleveland of him being talked and rumored about all offseason and last season to have been moved I think New England might make a run for him, man. I mean, history does repeat itself. The Patriots went for the headache of the league at the time, and Randy Moss and brought him out of Oakland, who was on the highest-paid contract. Randy Moss, absolutely. One of the best, if not the best, depending on who you ask. Randy, the Moss. Absolutely. So, I mean, I really think New England, like I said, they, they go after players like this. You know, you want to be a knucklehead? You want to be you want to be an asshole, so to speak? Excuse my French. Come to this system. Act right, come get a ring. And what happened? Tom Brady and Randy Moss broke the touchdown record between receiver and quarterback in 2007. And they had a historic run losing to the Giants. Shout out to all my Giants fans. It was a great Super Bowl. Just love to watch them lose. Um, I lost so much money that year. So I'm so money. sorry, you bet. It, it is what it is. Um, I, th- I think if you move some pieces around, everybody's speculating that Tampa, Gronkowski, and uh, Tom Brady all want Julian to come over. Again, this is speculation in my opinion. If you have the room and you go out and you trade Edelman for some picks and relieve some cap space, if you go and cut Brian Hoyer, you have Sudfeld already ready to groom and step in for Cam. You know, you sign somebody else. Belichick normally only has two quarterbacks on the roster. I mean, for the most part, that are healthy. But I I, I really think that you get rid of some pieces, you make a move, you go and make the trade with Cleveland, and Odell Beckham and Cameron Newton go and run the AFC East. And I think that they, they... can go and make a run in the playoffs. Maybe not to go and beat Lamar and Patty Mahomes and even the Colts, but I, I think that Odell Beckham and Cam Newton with the running game in that defense can definitely make a statement in the NFL. I I mean, you have valid points. Me personally, as a Tampa fan, I don't want to see Edelman in Tampa. I know some people be like, oh, he's crazy. I don't want to see it because we already have two great receivers and then bringing him in. Outside of Grunt, that's going to take receptions from their, you know, from them. And we got two great receivers. So, I don't want Adam in Temple. That's just me personally. Um, putting Odell Beckham and Cam Newton on the same team would definitely do great. And the kid Harris, he could learn from Odell. And he could, you know, potentially be great as well, learning from Odell. Now, my thing was, even if, if – they were to get Odell, they still do not win their division. And this was the curveball I was saying to you. 
everybody's forgetting about that one little team in New York called Fuck the Bills. The Bills got better in this offseason. Everybody forget they picked up Stephon Diggs, and they already had a nice receiver core. Stephon Diggs just gave, um, I get it, I get him confused. Allen is Allen their quarterback? Yeah, Josh Allen, um, and obviously the other yes. receiver, John Brown, over there uh, as well. Yes, and you add Stephon Diggs to that mix. That's oh man, that's great. And then they got another defensive player on their team as well to go along with that defense they already had. So. I have them the favorites to win that division since Tom Brady is no longer there. And a lot of people are sleeping on that team, but they're making slow, quiet, and deadly moves up there in Buffalo. Okay. So I would agree with that. I would definitely say, you know, not that I forgot, but, you know, people tend to neglect it. Obviously, Buffalo being the defensive powerhouse that they are, I I definitely see them winning 10 games again this season like they did last. But let's be honest. Um, Josh Allen is not the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. Josh Allen came into yep. this league, and he's got the arm strength by 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 a mile. Oh, the, he got the, a the man, he a the man is up there with the Pat Mahomes of the league, the Aaron Rodgers. He can sling it, but he yeah. he doesn't have the precision that he needs to have. What are we in year two? This is going to be year three of his career, and the man is still overthrowing mm-hmm. wide open receivers. I mean, I looked at some game tape over uh, some of the best receivers in football or some of the best routes. And, I mean, John Brown is is lightning in a bottle. He's not the best receiver in football. The man is undersized, but he knows how to get open. And there were plenty of instances where Josh just missed him by 15 yards. And that's just – that's bad. It's one thing to miss him by a step, a couple of yards, five yards max. But, I mean, to overthrow him by – 15 yards, it's, it's insane. Can he keep up with Diggs? Can Diggs's temper really be controlled in Buffalo? I, I, I don't know. The answer is uh, we don't know. Diggs' window of winning is, you know, closing. You know, he's definitely a season receiver. He's been in the league a while. Um, he's not old, but that window is closing. You know, Minnesota, they're there every year. I don't know what it is, how they can't seal the deal when he was there when he was there, but I think he'll be, uh, it's cool. It's not that many distractions in Buffalo, you know, what is it to do in Buffalo? You know? So yeah, I know. think, you know, he'll be all right. I think he'll be good. Especially if they're trying to win and they see that they have the opportunity with Tom Brady going. That's the biggest thing. The division is open for everybody because the juggernaut of that division is gone. He's in a whole different country. I mean, if we're being honest, the conference is open. The Patriots have run the AFC for, what, I mean, almost half of my life, if not more. It's just Tom Brady just knows how to win. Obviously, him going to Tampa is huge. Great coach out there, like we talked about earlier. But, I mean, Belichick and them boys are already a well-established oiled machine. I hate to give them any credit. I hate to give them any type of support. But the numbers, the rings, the, 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 the pedigree that they carry – Speaks for itself, and yeah. I think that they picked yeah, the right quarterback, and I think that they have the a, a great system. They need to fix that offensive lack of uh, receptions and uh, receivers, which is why I said what I said about Odell. Again, we don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I think that if if they go and make that move or if they go and do something along those lines of going to get somebody to help Cam, I think that New England can definitely compete with Buffalo because we know that New England still got that same defense, and, and Josh Allen struggled to score against them. 
Josh Allen, yeah. Yeah, yes, Stephon Diggs is, a, a, I mean, a massive help, but the accuracy needs to change. And until he shows me that, I don't really have much faith. I mean, I, I just can't. You lost Shady McCoy, too. You uh, you got Singletary up there, but, I mean, there were some health issues in the backfield, too. So Buffalo's got their own problems yeah. to worry about. And they lost, you know, a great and Frank Gore. You know, he helped them a lot last year. Frank Gore is what I like to call these years, this time period, the AFC recyclable running back. The man has literally been on almost every single team in the AFC East in the last five years, except for the Patriots. So yeah. he's like, what, third on their depth chart? Obviously, you got Le'Veon Bell, biggest waste of money the Jets had just because of the dumpster fire that that team is. You got you got Bilal Powell there, and you got a, another running back. I forget his name for whatever reason. It escapes me. And then you got Frank Gore. So, I mean, they need to figure yeah, out what's going on with Le'Veon, Jamal Adams. I think Le'Veon, if they had another receiver song, you know, some to help Le'Veon out, they would have been all right. You know, Le'Veon was doing it all. You know, they quarterback talking about he's seeing ghosts. He had one other, like, what the hell? Okay, well, he, you know, obviously, Sa- Sa- Sam Darnold isn't the most ideal quarterback for the team. Sam Darnold isn't exactly somebody that I would, you know, ride behind in the locker room. But he has shown signs that when he has time to throw, the man is great. Out of USC, the man had a great, great, great summary draft grade. I mean, you name it. That I, I really liked him. I thought he was one of the better quarterbacks in that class. But, I, but. He's coming from USC. And let's be honest. The Pac-12 is butt. Right. They've been great at USC. And when they got to the NFL, they did absolutely nothing. Except for the exception that is Carson Palmer. Yes. Carson Palmer had a great, great career. Yeah. That's that's about it. Exactly. But, I mean, I really... What's the word I'm looking for? I really have high hopes for Sam Darnold because I know that he can do it. But looking at, I got a lot of Jets fans on my social media. I got a lot of Jets fan friends. And, you know, they make valid points. Shout out to all you guys that have been loyal through that god-awful franchise that you call since, what, 1970-something, since Joe Namath guaranteed a Super Bowl. You guys have been the epitome of a joke. Other than the AFC Championship that you beat us in in 2011, I know. I was there. I watched it. But, you know, you still have to claim the butt fumble. So live with it. Um... I really think if you guys go and improve that offensive line and Adam Gase shuts up and just coaches, that you guys can be solid. Sam Darnold is not bad. Your team isn't bad. I think you need to keep Jamal Adams happy. Some people disagree with his methods to wanting to be out. Some people call him a baby, a crybaby, a bitch. I mean, I've seen it all. But at the same time, it's like, you know, People aren't happy with Adam Gase. And that reputation shows wherever he goes, there's always a disgruntled star on a team that doesn't want to be there. So the, 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 yeah, but you know, I, I kind of, I see it. One thing I don't like, you know, what a lot of NFL stars are doing, you know, I've never made it to the NFL. I will, obviously, I'm not in the NFL. But a lot of them try to cry, baby, and force their way out. Hey, if you got two years left on your contract, suck it up. This who drafted you, this is the team that gave you that shot. Yes, you're not happy. Yes, you want to win. Yes, you want to compete. But to sit there and throw tantrums and try to force your way out of a franchise, I think that's kind of effed up. You know, we spent all this money on you, and you're just trying to force your way out, like you're trying to hijack us. Like, you know, Lady, uh, Lady R is so 
Le'Veon show, you know, them how to do it, and a lot of people is just following suit. Yeah, I think I think Le'Veon started a negative trend in the holdout. I mean, I understand the health portion of it. Football, you only have so many years of expectancy depending on your position, the toll it takes on your body. I mean, you would know you played semi-pro, but I mean, the way he went about it just, I, I didn't agree with it. Again, I understood it. I didn't agree, but I, I kind of have to side with Prez on this one only because, like I said, in, in, in following sports and playing sports, when you have a coach that is toxic when you have a coach that can't be trusted and when you have a coach that doesn't know his ass from his elbow i mean i don't really want to play for... to exactly like i don't really want to play for somebody that's always got a different opinion or puts his foot in his mouth or doesn't support his players and jamal adams is the best player on that team hands down i think he's better than Le'Veon. i think that the man is a once in a lifetime generational talent i mean he's got a statistical category I forget what it is, but I mean, it's only him and J.J. Watt in it, and it has to do with sacks, batted balls, and interceptions or something of the sort, and it's only the two of them. I, I think that's yeah. insane. He's the best defensive player. I'm I'm a Le'Veon Bell fan. Um, Le'Veon is a very complete running back. He's getting older. Um, but yeah, like you say, statistically, he's a monster. He's a monster, but he has really no out because he has no leverage. He still got two years on his contract, and then they can still franchise tag him if they want to. So that's another year. But you, you know, you, know, you, you to... know as well as I do, though, Fred. He doesn't have to sign that, and he'll hold out. He definitely would hold yeah. out. Yeah. So yeah. if the Jets but... really want to play that card and they really want to gamble, fine, you'll get two years out of Prez. He might hold out. He might make the drama uh, worse in the locker room. I'm not supporting that. I don't support any player in any sport being a drama queen in the locker room. Let that be noted for the record. But I think that I think that Prez has got more of a leg to stand on than a lot of people are giving him credit for, man. I'm, I'm not a fan of how he went about saying what he said, but the man wants out. People want out of certain franchises. Uh I think that he deserves to get up out of there, man. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's gonna succeed on the Jets. I don't think he's gonna win anything on that team. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see him on a better team. I just think there's always better ways to do it instead of throwing tantrums or like Agreed. I want out. You know? Agreed. Agreed. As Being a baby man, don't help I would nobody. Go to you know the general manager. Go to your coach and be like, hey, I'm not having this situation. I don't trust the coach. I don't think, like you say, he knows his ass from his elbow. I Is there any way you can help me get out? You know what I'm saying? Instead of putting on social media, hey, man, I'm trying to come to Dallas, you know, stuff like that, you know, because doing that, you have no leverage right now. And they were like, oh, no, we're going to hold you hostage for two years. Then in two years, we can talk about it. That's fine. And, you know? again, we could, we could do this on and off all day in terms of what he can and cannot do. But I, I – I feel for him. I know that a lot of other players in the league feel that way too. I know that some people on this earth definitely see what I'm talking about. And if they don't, open your eyes. Adam Gase is not the savior that everybody thought he was. The fact that he is the head coach of the Jets to this day is still frustrating to me because he, he's not he's not what he says he is. And, and the proof is in the pudding. Offensively, you guys aren't doing what you're doing. You guys need an offensive line. You haven't really addressed that need. You you continue to build up on the defensive end and, and other weapons. You let Roby Anderson go. So, I mean, you, you guys really got a lot to show. So, I, I think this is the, the – I think Adam Gase 
is 100% on the hot seat, probably more than most coaches in the league. And I think if the Jets lose a specific amount of games or don't have a certain record by the halfway point of the season, I see the 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 I, I, I see Woody Johnson cutting that head right off and saying, "Yo, get get, get him the hell out of here, man." So, and if yeah. that happens, who knows? Maybe Predators will be happy. They haven't had a good coach, obviously, since Rex Ryan. hundred percent. And people people didn't like his mouth. Had, I, that's what I don't understand. He was he was a, he was a player's coach. How do you not like him? Yeah, and he was defensive mindset. He used to give the Patriots a run for their money a lot. You know, when he had Reeves and Antoine Camardi, that defense was amazing. So we all know yeah. about Reeves Island, man. Every football player knows that shit was real. Lockdown. Lot now, respect it, respect it, hundred percent. But I mean, that's that's pretty much the talk for today, Big Fred. I really want to thank you again for uh, for coming on the podcast. This is a this is a big step for me. This is a, a probably the longest episode I'll ever have in a while. But I mean, you know, you being <laughs> one of my my closest friends and and someone I can really talk to unbiasedly and at the same time have some fun. Uh, big shout out to you, Big Fred. We really appreciate it out here. Hey man, like I say, thank you. It was definitely an honor for being. Like I said earlier, you know, your first guest, that definitely means a lot. I mean, you trust me to, you know, be on your podcast. So I definitely appreciate the opportunity, you know, to have my voice heard on this platform, you know. So um, shout out to you, man. I definitely appreciate you. I definitely support and respect what you're doing because it takes a lot of gut, balls to get out there and to start a podcast. So, you know, I salute you 100%, man, on what you're doing. Just keep up the good work, brother. I appreciate that, man. I really do. And uh, shout out to Big Fred and everybody in the house, man. Much love and to the family. But I got to do one last thing. Uh, a friend of mine, Kayla, shout out to you for giving me the idea. And uh, again, shout out to Bay for the support of the idea. She uh, kind of reinforced it. So I got a stack for you guys. I think I'm going to do a statistic at the end of every episode. Just something random that I see on my timeline that comes up on the screen on ESPN, whatever whatever I find that catches my eye that's interesting. So this particular statistic comes from MJ's GOAT on Twitter. So this is this is crazy. I want I want to ask you, Fred, this question. In the last fifteen okay. seasons, there are only a handful of players that have scored fifteen or more points in the fourth quarter of an NBA finals game. Can you name me those players? It's a total of one, two, three, four, five, six players. Can you name those six players? So, hold on. Repeat the question one more time. My son is acting like a little butt right now. Hey, Fred. I'm, I'm sure you wasn't the most innocent in the world, so don't all blame it on him. Free little Fred. Um, I, there, there, there are only six players in NBA history that have scored 15 uh-huh. or more points in the fourth quarter of an NBA Finals game? Who are those six players? Uh, I would definitely have to say one is obviously um, MJ. Um, you could probably say Shaquille O'Neal. LeBron, maybe in that category. Fred, um, just to let you know, it's in the last 15 years. 15. The last 15 years? Yep. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sticking with those so far. I got LeBron, Jordan, Shaq. Um, ah, much as I hate to say this, I may say Curry. No, 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 because Curry folded a lot in some of his early final appearances. Um, Tim Duncan, maybe? 
point guard wise, KD definitely Durant is probably in there. Um, outside of that, nah, man, I can't, I can't think. Okay. What you got? So. You made me laugh a little bit. MJ retired in 2000 and, uh, 2003, buddy. So that's a little bit longer than 15 years. And he didn't go to the playoffs or the finals with with the Wizards. So um, MJ. MJ hasn't, MJ hasn't played. Yeah, that was, that, you made me laugh with that one. Um, so you got three right. And technically one of them you half guessed. But I'm going to let you know. Check this out, right? We have Stephen Curry. We have Stephen Curry. We have okay. Russell Westbrook. Okay. Kevin Durant. Okay. LeBron James. All right. The GOAT, Dirk Werner Nowitzki. <laughs> oh, I knew you was waiting to say that. <laughs> and you and Ricky's boy, J.R. Smith. What? Yes, sir. I said the same thing, and I looked it up. I don't remember what game it was. But it was it was one of those games where you guys were on a tear, and it was one of those blowouts in that final series with the Warriors that y'all came back and won. But Jr. hit like four threes in the fourth. Oh, I think I know um, what you're talking about. He went off oh, like he just started. He was shooting better than Steph. Yeah, I know. Yeah, okay, Jr. Smith. But hey, I I, I can't discredit Jr. at the time. You know, Jr. was a beast in Denver, so. He's, he got the skills, man. It's just, he's a dumb nothing. He got to keep on the show. <laughs> got to keep the show on. Well, that's the stat fact for the day. That's the, uh, that's the 104.6 in one podcast episode three, closing it out. Big Fred, again, man, appreciate you for coming on here. And uh, much love, and I hope uh, everything goes well at home, bro. Hey, thank you for having me, man. You know, hey, y'all make sure y'all go support Kev on all his social media platforms, man. Too many people can't do this, so make sure y'all just give us support because he's one of those people who will support you and any of his friends and anything they do. So, you know, it's not that hard, you know, to give love back to somebody else. So, yeah, that's all I got to say for it. That's some kind words from you, Big Fred. And, again, I, I appreciate <laughs> it big time. So, with that being said, Episode 4 coming out next week, and uh, stay tuned. All right, we out. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast.